0: Previously on the last episode of Liberty Tech on Tap.
1: Really what it boils down to is if you haven't thought about company culture, you actually already have one, and it's an accidental company culture, as opposed to what you really want is more of an aspirational company culture, company values. Um, Where that accidental culture is going to come from are just the people you've already hired. You're probably hiring a lot of, I don't want to say like-minded people but probably people that share hopefully share what you as a business owner want out of your organization but if you're not being purposeful about it that can morph over time and you sometimes are just kind of filling the roles that you have and you may not be thinking about well is this person a honey badger or not and you may not you may get someone who isn't a great fit for your organization
0: Welcome to Liberty Tech on Tap, where we talk and you tap in. If you're at a place where you can kick back and relax, pause this, grab a cold one, we promise we'll be here right when you get back.
2: Hello everybody, welcome back to Liberty Tech on Live. This is Joe, normal Joe. We got Charles back with us. Hey everybody. Say hi Charles. Hi. Already did. Already did, sorry. (laughs) I'll get better at these cues in the future. (laughs) And then we got somebody new. Hello. Yay.
0: I'm Caitlin. Marketing Manager here at Liberty Technology. Excited to be on, thanks for having me, Joe.
2: Awesome, so what are we talking about today, Charles?
1: So today, I kind of figured we'd go into why you really need a trusted IT advisor or partner, and why in most cases, or many cases, it makes sense for that to be an MSP.
2: Yeah, so we've talked about this a couple of times on the prior podcast, but we want to go a little bit more in depth to why it is so important. We just had Charles and a few of our teammates come back from a big event, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the things they took away from it. So you need to stay focused on your business, and how does an MSP IT advisor do that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that that's part of it. I mean, with with small, medium business or really any business, I mean you're good at what you do. Um, like Caitlin, I mean your husband is into pressure washing. Um, He is an expert pressure washer, um, but you would not expect him to probably have to deal quite so much with the marketing side because he has you to handle that. Or again, when it comes to whatever IT needs he might have, like he doesn't have time. That's not his forte when it comes to things. So this is true of finance, insurance, like it's best if organizations can focus on what they're good at. And that means for something like IT, you really need someone that you can trust to give you recommendations when it comes to what you need to do, be it for your infrastructure, for your security, uh, your disaster recovery and business continuity plans. All those things are things that businesses need and it's not something they probably, unless they're extremely large, can really figure out themselves internally.
2: Yeah, so like if you're a CPA, of an accounting firm, you don't expect your CPAs to know how to do call flows.
1: Exactly. Right?
2: <laughs> so that's a great way of talking about it. And again, getting back to focus, focusing on your business. So what can MSP do for that? So like, you don't have to worry about all the things in the background. So let's say like, whether you're secure, you're networking, are you staying up with the times? What are some things that MSP and IT advisors can offer to you for that?
1: Yeah, so a good IT partner advisor is gonna be looking into Again, like you already highlighted, security is a huge thing these days. And I mean, that's o- always a moving target. And I mean, almost is bordering on needing someone just dedicated for that. I mean, and that's where you really see, not just the MSPs, the managed service providers, but the MSSPs, which are the managed security service providers, um, which is almost an entirely different class of organization because security
2: is just so much of a moving target. Yeah, so we talk about, you know, large firms, but. Small firms, medium-sized businesses. but so what can IT look like there? You know, how much does it cost? Let's say you have a, a business that has 30 employees, and you you have to have an IT uh, infrastructure built out. What would that cost? Let's say, like, to have let's say two people who are extremely skilled. Would that even be enough oh, to manage 30 people? So,
1: so for well, so here's the challenge. I mean, often you'll look at this from the security side because when it comes to having that team that supports, you'll often hear about a SOC, uh, SOC, Security Operations Center. And if you do the math on what you really need to have like a proper like 24 by seven SOC, you need like a minimum, I think of a, it's like four or five people if you're letting them work regular eight hour days and having holidays and weekends and um, just the occasional sick day. And I mean, a good security person, like a proper security analyst, I think the going rate for them is like $100,000 to $130,000 a year, depending on where you are, of course, um, and what your SLAs are associated with that. So, I mean, again, if you look, if you think that you need four or five people for that, you're looking at somewhere between probably half a million and three quarters of a million dollars to get started to have a proper SOC in place. Um, for infrastructure, If you're going to outsource that, even having a proper IT person in place that may be for a, a firm of 30, 40 people, I mean, you're probably gonna have more of a generalist at that point. And I mean, a generalist, again, depending on experience, location, um, what the expectation is, um, that could be anywhere from probably $45,000 a year if you're someone who's not terribly skilled in kind of a more rural area, but that can easily go up to your 80, 90, even six figures if you're in a more metro area, you have someone with a lot of experience, and perhaps you have expectation of uh, 24 by seven availability for on call, um, or if they're bringing a very advanced skill set into things. And again, that's just the people side of things. That doesn't even yeah. get into the tools that you would need for that SOC to operate or the infrastructure that you may need for a 30 person office to, to 30, 40 person office to actually operate off of.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of things they can offer. Caitlin, I mean, you're on the marketing side, so you, you know the keywords to use and the big concerns of our customers and clients. Speak a little bit about that, like what do you think when you're talking or you're hearing from customers and clients, what their biggest concerns are and how you go after it marketing-wise?
0: So I think the biggest thing. Sorry, um, the biggest thing probably. Um, I think sometimes we experienced this recently um, when we did a few banking events. Uh, we heard a lot of teams that they were when we when they saw our booth and they heard you know what we were what we were about. It's like oh you're here to steal my job. And it's like, actually, no, we're here to help you because you see like even the situations that Charles was just referring to, you know, you've got a couple people and they are in-house IT. Um, we don't come to steal their job because they may be able to do a lot of the things that we do, but more so they're probably focused on their line of business softwares and applications um, that they specialize in. And we might not, but we know the back end of those. And so I think a, a big part of it is um, letting people know that yes, we can do it all. We can do all you can eat. For the, for the firms and the organizations that, that need it all, we can do that. But um, even more so, not scaring new potential new clients off because no, we're not trying to come steal your job. We can um, augment and supplement in the areas where um, your internal IT may be more so focused on like I said, line of business softwares and just the the day-to-day stuff, whereas we can get way more, um, you know, technical and and on the back end of things. So I think really marketing-wise, it's just about making sure that people, um, or that, you know, people in our community or potential clients just know um, you know how we can offer services so we're not it's, technology is not a one-size-fits-all as easy as it, as it would be um, our solutions we it would be a lot easier to sell that way um, and I think we do try to with our one source um, solution we we have tried to um, accommodate for a lot in that um, but at the end of the day you know every organization is different so I think it's just making sure that with our marketing efforts um, people just just know the value of Having us whether they have internal IT or whether they don't. Well,
1: Caitlin, and to, to piggyback off of this, I think you make a make a good point. And we're talking about ma- talking about having a good IT partner/slash advisor, which is really a strategic thing. Uh, I mean, we're not coming; we don't want to necessarily come in there and take everyone's jobs. That's not what we're about. We can really be a force multiplier when it comes to that. And in those large firms where you already have like a internal IT staff or resource, I mean if you're lucky, you've actually got someone who can actually take the time to do research and figure out what maybe is working well for the organization and what those next steps might be. What platforms are actually working for them? Which ones aren't? Which ones are the source of all their headache? But you don't always have that. I mean, if you end up with the organization of maybe 50 to 100 people, they may only have the resources for one or two resources. Um, We've worked with some organizations in the past that that was the case. And unfortunately, what you usually end up with is you have someone with say like the title of IT director and like a IT assistant or help desk support. And with those two people, that's often not enough to give the director time to actually be able to properly evaluate new solutions for them or make sure that they're doing things in the best possible way. Uh, We've run into it, I remember one time running into it where you talk to the person, they had a, actually I remember helping someone with a a catastrophic exchange server failure. Thankfully, most people have their email out in the cloud. We don't have to worry about on-prem exchange very much anymore, Mm -hmm. but they knew it was something they needed to take care of, but they just didn't have the time. They didn't have the time to evaluate, well, is, I don't, actually Office 365 wasn't a thing yet, but looking at the various hosted exchange platforms like the AppRivers or the, um, rack spaces, or I think G Suite was around at that point for them, but they just didn't have time. They knew they needed to do something, but they didn't have the time. And that's something where, granted, we helped them get through the catastrophe, and then we're actually able to help evaluate options, actually get the get the email off into somewhere that was a lot, uh, had better redundancy, better accessibility, and just overall help them out. Um, and then they continued to do their job. It gave them more time. They were able to look at other things that they could do. um, And it actually just helped the organization grow, but we were able to come in and assist them with that. And then moving forward from there, assist them even more like, hey, we're looking at doing this server upgrade. Can you guys help us evaluate options? Um, They redid some of their other security platforms and we're looking for us to just help find the stuff that made the most sense for them with their workflows. And we were able to go leverage the relationships that we had um, with various vendors to find something that fit their needs.
2: Yeah. And when you're looking for an IT advisor, partner, MSP, right? Um, one of the most important things is to do your research. We, we encourage that at Liberty is to do your research, right? Because what it's one of the big things why you get more out of the relationship. Um, and you brought up a good example uh, in your notes section about you don't go to a financial advisor and say, hey, I want to invest.
1: Yeah, you're not, wow. gonna get, you're not gonna get anything from them. They're gonna come back with a bunch of questions that if you haven't done your research, you're either A, not gonna be able to answer or answer intelligently. Like, I mean, they're gonna need to know, like, what is, what, or what is your level of risk that you're comfortable with? How soon, are you looking at this for retirement investing or you just have some extra money that you want to invest? I mean, these are all gonna change what, what vehicles you use. And the same thing is true of, true of IT. If you come to me and just say, I need a server, okay that means a lot of things are we putting it in the cloud what applications are we running Um, Mm -hmm. do you already have infrastructure are you talking about a virtual server are you talking about physical physical hardware Um, it's just a lot of questions and having already done at least some research really helps with that a great spot actually to do that research is um, if you're part of any peer groups within your industry because you can see what they're doing what's worked for them what hasn't worked and then that helps arm you to come to your trusted advisor of hey I talked to my friend who just recently moved to the cloud, and these are the challenges that they had. Is this something that makes sense for 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 us as we're as we're making our moves, or should we keep things on prem, or is there any way that you could help them um, sometimes comes up as well?
2: Yeah, and also going into, you know you talked about technology and how it's a necessary evil, right? Um, and a lot of people, they don't understand it. So they just kind of avoid it and they put themselves in the place of like we talk about the pen and paper, right? Like I'm just going to do it like I used to always do it. But what what kind of challenges do you get when you keep your technology at that level?
1: Yeah, well, to go to go into my notes just a little bit. So it's not necessarily that everyone views technology as a necessary evil. Um, This is where it would be we had like a lovely green screen we could put things yeah. on. maybe at some point we will <laughs> um but no so looking through some of the research i've done over the years like you'll have a lot of folks when it comes to it they kind of describe that most organizations there's like a uh, basically a, a triangle you've got the top 25 percent of folks of organizations that really t- see it as strategic something that adds value to their organization um you've got maybe 50% that, hey, they see IT as more tactical. Like, hey, we need to do something with IT. We need a new workstation for this person. Wouldn't it be great if we did paperless because we're required to? And then you've got kind of that bottom 25% that just see IT as a necessary, as a necessary evil. These are the folks that um, probably would still just be doing swipes for credit cards. I mean, old school swipes for credit card. Um, and they they're the ones that, You'll sometimes hear, and I, I mean, this is no joke. I've gone and sat with um, C level people before in organizations that say, All I need is a pen and a piece and a pad of paper, and I'm good. But the thing is, the folks that have the mindset of all I need is a pen and pad of paper, when you go back and look in a year, two, five, 10, their revenue still reflects like the days of when they yeah. were using pen and paper and they just don't really grow. So having what I was trying to illustrate with the notes was just that having that trusted advisor helps elevate you often into that top 25% that really do see Got IT you. as strategic rather than just tactical and hope to, well, you're probably not listening to a podcast if you think IT is just a necessary evil because you probably don't know what a podcast is.
2: That's true too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you stumble across this one, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> and also like it, it's, about keeping up to date too. Like, you know, we talk about, we don't know everything, but we can, we know places to find the answers and we have years of expertise uh, in different areas of IT that we can get you that answer. Um, and that's another great part about having an IT advisor, I think. Um, like you were talking about Cisco Live, right? Yeah, so. that's
1: where, yeah. Uh, myself, uh, Ben, who's the owner, and then Adam, uh, our sen- one of our senior collab engineers, we were just out there, just got back late last night. Um, great event um held in vegas it's the first time in i guess three years that they've had it because of covid it was a little smaller this year um only only seventeen thousand people there only <laughs> only they, wow. that's, that's about half the size that it normally is um, but yeah it's it's great to get out get to these events i think there were like 150 some odd vendors there so um lots of folks to talk to to get up to date on various solutions that could be a fit for us could be a fit for our clients um Also, of course, get to see what's coming up next. Um, They had some interesting stuff around Meraki and finally bringing their catalyst line of switches to be able to manage them within the Cisco Meraki dashboard. What that probably means for our clients is the catalyst uh, product uh, line of switches has kind of been Cisco's flagship when it's on the enterprise side. Uh, They tend to be a little bit cheaper than the Meraki switches, but the challenge has always been you borderline need a CCNA or CCNA level knowledge to be able to program them, configure them. And again, as a small business of 30 or 40 people, you probably don't have a CCNA on staff that can program those. Um, So bringing them into the Meraki dashboard for monitoring as well as configuration actually should give our clients some more options uh, when it comes to their switching. The one downside, um, we're all still, I think, dealing with supply chain issues the catalyst switches do tend to be the ones that have a lead time of somewhere between 50 and 60 weeks at this point. So while you may be able to save a little money ordering them, you probably gonna have to wait at least a year before you can get them.
2: Yeah. And if you have an IT advisor preparing you for those types of things, so for instance, you know, we, we roadmap you out, we determine that it's a lot of your networking stuff is going on to support or your licensing. So we prepare you for that a long, long time in advance, right? So there might be a very long lead time, but we can try to get it in the works before that. Um, That's what makes IT complex, right? So that's why you need a trusted advisor, I think in my opinion. But what other things can people do um, to make sure they're getting the right answers, let's say, from their IT advisor, partner? I mean, we sometimes say in the field like we don't want to sound like salespeople, right? Because is a salesperson.
1: Yeah, and it's one of the things I would always encourage folks, if they're not sure, I mean, don't be afraid to ask around. Um, if, you, if your IT advisor knows what they're doing and is trustworthy, they're gonna be giving you good recommendations. So what should end up happening is that you just get the same recommendation from someone else or a very similar one. Um, we actually had a client that, um, well, recently we had started their offboarding project because their contract had run up, they chose not to renew because they thought that they could find the services that we were providing when it came to security cheaper through their ISP um, because some of the ISPs do advertise that they do a lot around security. They'll throw in Norton 360 yeah, as part of your Norton. contract or <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, we'll give you a, a enterprise class firewall um, that you can communicate with. Well, when they actually went to their, their ISP and told them, hey, we're offboarding our security services. We need you guys to turn on the following stuff for us. They kind of looked at them blankly. It's like we really can't do that for you. You really, if you need those services, which I mean, this is stuff like MFA, um, more advanced email, per, advanced email protection, uh, credential monitoring, these sort of services that the, the ISPs just aren't going to do. Um, they were like, you probably need to tell them that you probably need to go back to them. And so we actually have flipped their offboarding project onto, into an onboarding project, and uh, we're bringing them back on board.
0: To go back and speak a little bit more context um, about having a good IT advisor and the trends and all that, we like to say a lot um, about us here at Liberty and like you said, Charles, just about any good MSP or IT advisor should probably echo what we're saying in this is that we are ahead of the curve on a lot of different trends and solutions. And so before we roll something out to our solution stack or our clients, we have already researched it vetted it, used it, like trial by fire, put it through the ringer, because we do wanna give the best of the best. So um, I feel like a good IT advisor is gonna do just that. They're gonna be um, ahead of the curve. Uh, They're gonna be testing and vetting solutions far before um, they put it into practice. So what you guys saw at Cisco Live this week, there's probably a lot of different things that you're mulling over now, and you're gonna start to research, and our clients may not see or hear about that for another six to eight months.
1: Yeah. And it's going to depend on how fully baked the solution is. Like one of the other really neat things that we saw is that um, in within the Meraki dashboard, Cisco is trying to do a lot more for enabling uh, remote work or rather hybrid work is what they talk about. They want to really enable it so that if you're working from home or the office or really understanding that people are probably going to be floating back and forth between both um, as whatever this new normal is, hate that term, but that's just the reality that we're gonna be in. So they wanna make sure that they make it seamless so that when a device is in the office, it's super easy for people to connect to all the resources that they need. But you need to secure that device differently when someone's working from their home office versus if they're working from a coffee shop somewhere. So there was a lot of stuff around that kind of ability where where the tools that are smart enough to tell where you are, who you are, verifying trust, and then from there, understanding what needs to be done from a security perspective. But all that being said, it's not quite there yet. Um, at least from the what what Cisco was showing for the Meraki dashboard. They've actually got a couple different products that do similar things that the various production or uh, product teams probably need to talk to each other about and uh, <laughs> maybe integrate a little bit more tightly. And then there's probably an amazing product there. But right now, it's still a lot of separate things, uh, not quite there, so yeah. and. Hopefully, hopefully only six, six to eight months, we'll see. But the other thing though too, is we've actually already got some products that we've been vetting that are very similar to that. So I mean, that's another thing is just your trusted IT advisor, it's not just new things, but also questioning the stuff that they already have in place. Like we're actually in the process right now of probably changing out what we're using for email security for most of our clients. Uh, we've been using the same solution for probably seven or eight years. Um, it's worked really well for us, but it's the product is starting to show its age. Um, as our needs have changed, so have our, cl- and our clients' needs have changed, the product just that we were using just doesn't feel like the best fit anymore. So looking at what we need, what our clients need, we t- we've talked to a couple different vendors, we found one that we kind of like, and so we're in the process of, uh, we've actually moved ourselves over right now. So um, if you've noticed, well, if you notice that you're, trying to email us and maybe stuff doesn't get through, give us a call because maybe we've got our, the spam filter turned up a little too high. (laughs) That has happened Um, to
0: me before, for sure.
1: (laughs) um, Actually, I'm having the reverse problem right now. We probably need to crank up the spam filter a little bit higher. I've definitely (laughs) noticed that um, it's a little little laxer when it comes to stuff coming in. But of course, we just moved away from something we'd had in place and tuned for seven or eight years, moving over something new. Really not surprised with that.
2: Well, and the stack keeps changing and technology keeps changing and needs keep changing. And you were talking about, you know, people are talking about the hybrid workforce now. And there's some companies that are having their employees come back to work and they're not getting the response they thought they were going to get. So I think people kind of thought when COVID happened that, OK, well, I can kind of wait it out and I don't have to implement the technology to make my workforce be able to work from anywhere. Now they're starting to realize, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. It looks like uh, we're going to go to a permanent hybrid workforce. I think that's kind of
1: yeah and that's going to depend like we talked about last time uh company culture i think and that's going to come down to the organization with what they're comfortable with because all these tools there is an overhead associated with them it's not just install some magic software and everything works I yeah. mean that, that's what that's what cisco would like you to believe but um you we'll do play, you still we'll need to have the engineers behind the scene to make sure that you can do that um or again your platforms need to make need to be set up in such a way to do that Um, so if your company is going to hybrid work, it's, there's going to be a lot of challenges. Um, though, some are just saying like, I think what Elon said the other day, it's, um, if you want to, if you want to work from home, (laughs) you got to put in 40 hours a week at the office. (laughs) Yeah, minimum. So, um, that again is Tesla's culture, um, or presumably is Tesla's culture coming down from the top because culture is set at the top. And if that's the case, then they don't need to do quite as much when it comes to the remote work side of things, probably. Um, But again, that's just going to depend on the organization.
0: The concept, this concept is actually, it's funny that we brought this up because I just got done reading an article on LinkedIn earlier that was talking about the Generation Z and -hmm. how they're like, they're coming into the workforce. They're graduating college. I'm like right on the edge of like borderline millennial Gen Z. Um, So... It was talking about the, um, like, work conditions and just what's expected out of an employee and company culture and and all these different things. What's, you know, a perk to a millennial? So, like, remote work is a a perk to me um, because I've been a few years in the workforce, and it was standard that you come into the office every day 8 to 5. And now it's like this remote thing has been introduced, and it's a perk for me but Gen Z is coming in as like, like an they demand
2: it. Yeah. yeah,
0: and they will move on and say, no, thanks for the offer, but buy if, yeah. if it doesn't meet these certain expectations that they have. So it's just interesting to see as we've got this new generation coming into the workforce, I think it's gonna play a big part and remote work is here to stay.
1: Well, and what's helped kind of enable that is the shift of many apps to being very web focused. Uh, it's not quite so much where the applications have to live at your office, in your data center. Thankfully, security has come come far enough that we a lot of those can just be more or less exposed to the outside world. And then you, again, use multi-factor authentication, maybe use some geolocation filtering to make sure that, hey, if you're only doing, all your employees are in the US, that your LOB can't, your line of business offer can only be accessed by the, the, somewhere in the United States and not in China or North Korea or Russia or wherever it might be. Um, so that's, that's helped enable that kind of that mindset, I think.
2: Well, I think it was interesting. I don't know what, what I was listening to or what I was reading. That's one of those things, I guess. But uh, the chance of you finding somebody in your geographical location that has the skill sets you need to properly operate your business can be quite low, especially if you're looking for someone who's super certified and has the education, has the experience. So when you're not implementing a hybrid workforce, I think you're kind of losing out on that talent. So, like, let's say you can go find somebody who lives across the United States that has everything you want in them, and they don't have to move. They can use the hybrid workforce to bring that type of, you know, um, expertise to your company.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, that is, though, again, comes down to the culture. Also, you, you've got to be careful, though, with that in having the right processes and expectation set. I've seen some organizations that's where they've had some challenges, where you'll bring in what looks like a rock star to work remote. And if you're an organization that hasn't really dealt with that before, um, it can be kind of a shock because again, Caitlin, you're talking about um, the perk of being able to work remote. You, you, you've lived a few working years of the expectation of eight to five sitting at your desk. Well, if that's been what your company culture has been forever to then go and say, hey, we're gonna hire this person that's wherever, Idaho somewhere, um, mm-hmm. that they're never gonna be in the office or except maybe once or twice a year, If you've got managers and your leadership team's not used to that it can actually cause a lot of friction Um, so that's I guess the other part of that is just making sure that if you are gonna go outside your your geographic area to look for talent and you're gonna allow them to work from home make sure the folks that are gonna be managing them um, are comfortable with that and understand what the expectations are gonna be
2: good point for sure you guys got anything else we're kind of wrapping up to our time
1: well one thing I did want to kind of circle back to real quick was um, when we're talking about what to look for in a trusted advisor and what you what to do to get out of or to get the most out of the relationship and not being afraid to question them I kind of want to expand on that real quick if I've got a few minutes so yeah. just making sure you're honest with your IT advisor I mean this is true again of any professional service like if you're going to talk to your financial guy or or gal don't say that you've got a hundred thousand dollars to invest when you really don't. Um, don't go to your doctor and say everything's fine when it's really not. Don't, yeah. don't, don't lie to your attorney about what you may or may not have done. And the same is true with your IT, your trusted IT advisor. Um, one thing that I've unfortunately had to deal with over the years is we kind of just call them like the dear John letters, um, where all of a sudden someone will tell you like, "Hey, we're moving on. We're not happy with service," and when you try to press, you kind of get borderline BS answers of. Oh well we wanted this or we wanted that and if they had just been honest about what they were looking for, maybe the financial situation they were in, it could have been a much different conversation. Like we did have one client that had to had to sit down with them probably about two or three months ago. They've been hit they got hit particularly hard by COVID and they're still not recovering very well from it. And they've had to downsize dramatically. And so we went through and took a look at all their agreements and made a point to, hey, let's, get this, let's make sure things are fair. Mm-hmm. We right-sized their agreement for them, got them moved over to a plan that will save them money. And as they, as they come out of this COVID slump that they've had, they're going to be in a great spot. We're actually, we'll be in a great spot as well um, to support them. But then I've had others that are just like, oh, well, we wanted more flexibility with our phone system. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you bought a Cisco phone system, but I can't make the Avaya handsets work with it that are mm-hmm. cheaper. Like that's not a real answer. That's the answer you're trying to give me or um, it's just frustrating. So like I said, I would just encourage, make sure you're honest with your trusted advisors. If you're not happy with service or you think you got conflicting answers with, with, about information, bring it up. Again, a good one is gonna, be, is gonna be, they will love to talk through the situation with you figure out what they can do so that it's a win-win for everybody.
2: Yeah, we don't exactly know how to fix things if you're not telling us what you need fixed, yep. right? That's a great point. So, yeah. Nothing else? Okay. Well. It's Friday afternoon. It's, that, it's Friday afternoon. It is, yep. It's the time for the question that I ask every podcast. Would you rather have hiccups for the rest of your life or constantly feel like you have to sneeze?
0: Will you ever get to sneeze?
2: No. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like a monster for asking this one.
1: Well I know I, my, would, I know my answer.
0: What?
1: I would I, I've gotta go with the feeling that I'm gonna sneeze because I mean I feel like you might be able to get sort of accustomed to that, but hiccups. No, you're just going to be, it'll be awful for meetings. You'll never really get to sleep very well. I mean, it's just going to be absolutely miserable. I mean, that's where you have a physical response to things versus (laughs) the other thing is just a feeling that at least I feel like eventually you can kind of be like that. (gasps) You know, like that. Yeah.
0: And then you can't. I would have to take hiccup because at least you have the satisfaction of actually hiccuping instead of just like constantly being in anticipation.
2: Could you be hiccuping silently like the. Yeah, like. That was very vocal.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least
2: I, was I, I would, uh, man, I don't know.
0: There's nothing worse than having a cold and having to feel like you have to sneeze and you can't. There's nothing worse, I have oh, to say. But I, you don't
2: think you'd get used
1: to the fact of no. knowing that you can't literally can't no. sneeze? With
0: hiccuping, there's a the satisfaction of something actually. <laughs> and there's a break in between.
2: I would probably say sneezing. Like think, but
0: you're not sneezing.
2: But I think I think Charles is is spot on with that because hiccups. Oof. That's just good luck, guys. That seems like, your
0: your eyes are gonna be water all, all watery, the time. All, yeah. all the time. It's
1: yeah. No different than the s- spring anyway in Georgia. So <laughs>
0: right. uh, true.
2: But yeah, so thanks guys so much. Um, thanks for having us. Yeah, don't forget to comment, subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, like us in your podcast engine of choice. It helps us a ton, and hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode. You guys, have a great day. Happy
0: Friday. Aww. Thank you for listening to Liberty Tech on Tap. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast engine of choice. Drop us a five-star rating and leave comments suggesting topics for us to talk about. Or just let us know what you thought of this episode. Until next time, we're tapping out.